You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to episode 396 of the Battery Power Podcast. I'm your co-host, Scott Coleman, and I'm joined by a special guest this week, Chris Willis, who you may know as the managing editor for BatteryPower.com, and also the co-host of the podcast to be named later here on the Battery Power Network feed, is pinch hitting for Brad this week, who has some obligations on this Sunday evening. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good, Scott. It's good to be on here with you. Well, uh, I, I want to start out by saying for folks who have followed the site for a long time, uh, Chris does a tremendous job, and I don't say this because he's the boss man, uh, but Chris does a tremendous job on the back end, especially running the site, making sure we have content. I always say there's Braves fans are fortunate, myself included, to have just such a comprehensive website to go to for all things Atlanta Braves, majors, minors, news, analysis. Uh, so very happy to have Chris on the podcast here today. As listeners know, it was a bit of a difficult week for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, two tough opponents with the Padres and the Astros. The week started out pretty well with a couple of wins on the West Coast. But of course, four in a row, including three really tough losses to a good Houston Astros team this weekend at Truist. Chris, I wanted to just kind of get your general take on the week that was, and I guess especially this weekend, and now that we're almost a month into the season, just kind of your general thoughts on the club so far. I mean, I feel like they're in a good spot. I, it was it was really good to see them go to San Diego, I think, and, and play really well because, you know, of the way that series went in home uh, earlier, in the, earlier in the homestand, uh, the previous homestand. But, uh, you know, obviously a disappointing uh, – a turn of events this weekend it just uh just the way they lost i think more than anything you know astros are a good team you knew it was going to be a tough series coming in but you know to have the lead in all three of them late and then to see the well bullpen give it up in two of them you know it's those are those are tough losses and i know it's still april but you know those those tend to linger a little bit so hopefully they can put that stuff behind them well and my my takeaway was it felt like really over the last couple of games with all of these injuries that the team has dealt with and is still waiting to get almost a fifth of the opening day roster back and healthy, it felt like these last couple of games were maybe the first time we have really felt the crunch of all of these early injuries the Braves have had to deal with. It feels like the bullpen, even though it has done a nice job overall, the bullpen had a very, very bad weekend. Uh, and whenever you're without Iglesias and McHugh, 
uh, you're going to eventually feel that. Those are two really good relievers. You lose your ninth inning guy in Iglesias, which moves everybody else up an inning, which which isn't great. Uh, you're without Travis Darno. You're still without Michael Harris, Orlando Arcia. And I, I think you feel similarly, Chris. It it did feel like the last couple of days really were uh, the injuries were felt more than maybe they were before this last little run. Excuse me, this last run here. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, we were kind of marveling a little bit at that fourteen and four start. You know, it was like they'd have somebody else go down and somebody'd step right up and and you know just they just keep rolling along. But eventually, you knew that was going to kind of come back to bottom a little bit. I think the bullpen's the most obvious place right now. You know, I, AJ Minner. You know, I mean, he's he's pitched well. He's he's been good this season couple of uh, rough outings here against Jordan Alvarez who's one of the best one of the best hitters in the in the game so you know I mean you just kind of have to tip your hat but I think the depth in that bullpen's getting tested a little bit and then even you know when you look at the lineup uh, also today I mean you know you've got Sean Murphy out of there he'd he'd been in there 12 straight days 11 as a catcher you know and you just can't you're not gonna be able to do that for a full season and then you know, you so you've got Trump, you've got Eddie Rosario's in there struggling a little bit. Kevin Pilar homered today, but again, you know, those are guys you were counting. A lot of those guys you were counting on to be at the, on the bench, providing bench strength, and they're in there and starting roles. So, you know, I do think it's kind of starting to grate a little bit on on the roster, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll get some of those guys back here pretty soon. Definitely, and we're going to talk about the upcoming schedule a little bit later, but. Now, there's no break for this schedule, really, for the next couple of weeks. So let's hope that the Braves can get back to 100%. They really haven't been 100% at any point this year. Right? Like They've never had Iglesias. They didn't have Wright to begin the year. They didn't have Max for most of the season until this week. And he looked great. We'll talk about Freed as well. So hopefully, and there's some good news, I think, on the injury front coming. Uh, but just for a quick perspective, and I know folks don't always like to hear well, it's early, and well, a year ago it was this and that. But a year ago, on April 23rd, as we're recording this, the Braves were 7-9. and nine. Things were not going well. And you just mentioned a minute ago with the 14-4 and four start, yes, it's been calmed down a little bit by these four straight losses. But if you would have told me a month ago, with all of the injuries that have happened to this team, if they're 14 and eight, knowing they're already now done with the Padres, they're done with the Astros, they're halfway done with the Cardinals. And I think you, I think you take it, and hopefully this is kind of the end of this bad stretch. Yeah, agree, agreed, 100. percent I mean, you just did not. You just felt like the way the division was kind of going, or after the off season, that you know they they needed to get off to a good start, and I think they've done that. You know, it's kind of weird that some of these skids they've hit have been at home. You know, they've played really well on the road so far, but you know, all that's going to even out, and uh, you know, and I just think once you once we get to really see this team at at a hundred percent, you know, you're going to be reminded just kind of how good it is because um, they've played really well. Uh, and, and just, you know, it's just been, it's just baseball kind of this weekend. I mean, it's just some, you know, one thing here and error there, you know, on a bullpen, uh, implosion at, at a couple of different times. Uh, but I mean, the, realistically though, I mean, the Braves could have swept this series, honestly, I mean, or at least taken two out of three. I mean, they were in, in position to do that. So, you know, I think you've got to feel pretty good about where they're at when you look at the big picture. Well, and the one question that I think everybody wants an answer to 
is, is there something with this day game thing with the Braves? Because they were terrible last year in them for a team that won 101 games. They lose two more day games this week. It's probably one of those just silly baseball things that will eventually even out. But, man, I'd be lying. Every time there's a day game, I think everyone just in the back of their mind feels like, all right, here we go again. The team's going to lose. Obviously, it's not like the – any of the approach or strategy that at least I've noticed changes with these day games, but it is a very, very odd trend for a team that has won a ton of baseball games the last two years. I hadn't even really thought about it this season, but I mean, it was definitely a storyline last year. And I mean, you know, I'm like you, I kind of didn't really pay that much attention to it. It got a lot of, I know it got a lot of talk on social media and Twitter particular, but, um, you know, you're, you're right. And I think it's one of those things now we're all paying attention to it. So when they do struggle in a day game or lose a day game, you know, we kind of just, we kind of put another check in that column and I'll, I would like to, I don't, I haven't seen anything that makes me think there's a reason for it other than just weird baseball randomness. But, you know, it has been that way now for, you know, a game and a a season, a full season. And then, you know, kind of starting out this year as well. Yeah. It just kind of reminds me, I forget what year, maybe 2018. It's been a while. But that year where the Braves were like 0 and 13 on Mondays to remember this to start the year, do you remember that? It was like the yeah. most bizarre thing of all time. And of course, then it started getting talked about. And the next week, I think they won on a Monday. So right. maybe we'll speak some wins into existence. I mean, there's been a lot of those things. You remember? I think it was. I think it was last year where they alternated win and losses, wins and losses oh, yeah. for our. Or maybe that was 2021. I can't remember, but you know they had that ridiculously long stretch where they alternated wins and losses, and that was one of them time. One of the times where they were trying to get above 500, and just simply couldn't do it, you know. And 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 then finally did put a win streak together. But you know, it's just just a lot of weird things. I think how long the baseball season is, and you know, you'll just see these you'll see these things that you just can't really you know you can't really explain. Yeah, it's a great game, isn't it? Right for all of its weirdness and quirks. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, in as many things as we think we figure out with the numbers and and the trends and and everything else, you know, it's still there's still this level of randomness, you know, that that um, I think separates it from a lot of the other sports. You know, as uh, we've talked about the playoff randomness a lot, but you know, when you get in one of these seasons that is you know five six five months long, you know, you you find these little these little weird things like day game struggling in day games and, and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that's really appealing because a lot of people think, I think a lot of people out there think baseball was boring or whatever, but there's always something interesting going on. It doesn't matter if your team's in first place or if, you know, you're struggling, you can always find something in, in involved in all that. Yeah, absolutely. And usually you're no more than 24 hours away from the next one. Right. That's the best part of baseball, beauty of baseball. It's every day. Maybe you've had four rough ones, but hopefully as the Braves uh, welcome Miami to town this upcoming week and then the Mets, which is going to be a big series. Let's hope these kind of weird baseball things balance out and get back in the win column. Um, On the positive news front, and it feels like the last couple of weekends, whenever Brad and I have done this podcast, it has been all bad news on the injury front, but it seems like we might be getting – Uh, to the end of the tunnel, and there's a bit of light in the bullpen. I guess we'll start there. It was certainly a point of contention this weekend. 
It seems like Colin McHugh will be back maybe as early as Monday of this week. McHugh pitched in Rome and pitched in Gwinnett for two rehab appearances this week. He was dealing with some shoulder inflammation, but by all accounts, he will be back, which will be a big boost to the to the group. And then Rysel Iglesias, who we have not really seen almost in a month at this point, including spring training, will throw a live bullpen session on Monday. And it seems like as long as everything goes well and his shoulder responds well, Iglesias will probably be in line for a couple of minor league rehab appearances and then be back, I don't know, within the next 10 to 14 days. Yeah, and I mean, it's good news to get McHugh back just because he's, you know, he can fit so many different roles. He can throw multiple innings. You know, he can come in there and and, and, and handle a one one and inning uh, stint with a high leverage or, or what. He just fills so many he fills so many uh, positions and roles for the Braves out of the bullpen. But Iglesias, you know, I think we're all kind of still holding our breath a little bit. You hope that he comes out of that bullpen um, unscathed. And, you know, shoulders are always uh, scary. It's always a scary thing when you hear that. And it kind of came out of nowhere in spring. Um, and the fact that it's taken him this long to kind of start throwing again, you know, means that they were really – I think they were really kind of concerned. They really shut him down for a, a long stretch there. So, It'll be interesting to see, you know, how he what what we hear about his bullpen session, and if he, I think the sooner he heads out on a rehab assignment, the the better, uh, the better it's going to be for the Braves bullpen because they really need him back. You know, whether he's just in that closer's role full time or just pairing with Minner at, at times, but he was huge for them down the stretch last year. So that was a, I don't think enough people has really talked about how big of a loss that probably was for the bullpen. Absolutely, and. Uh, we mentioned it a little while ago, but it really does force everybody else into a higher role. And as good as uh, someone like Jesse Chavez has been this year and in previous years, you probably don't want Jesse to be throwing really close games in the seventh inning, right? It, you, as good as Nick Anderson has been, you don't want to have to always have to go to Anderson in the eighth inning because he's going to burn out. I mean, I, you know, right. And that's not exclusive to Anderson. It's just across the board, that depth, I think, is really going to help keep guys fresh and give Snit some options whenever they're either up or if they're losing and it's close uh, later on will be great. And speaking of two other guys who they have brought along, I think rightfully but slowly as well, uh, Travis Darnot caught a side session over the weekend and took batting practice. And then Michael Harris, for someone at the time when he strained his back, uh, it was really kind of downplayed, and now he's – more than two weeks in on the injured list with this back issue, but he also took batting practice over the weekend. He's been working out on the field. So it does seem like even though it's maybe taken a little bit longer than the Braves were hoping for, they should have Darno and Harris back in the lineup here pretty soon. Yeah, that is good news, especially with Darno too, because, you know, there for so long, there just wasn't much reporting on him you know he wasn't doing much and you know that's good I mean his he's had concussion issues in the past they've been they were several years ago but you know it's always a scary thing and he you know I think he got his bell rung pretty good uh in that home plate collision there so you know you knew the Braves were going to take it slow with him but obviously Sean Murphy's been great uh, especially during the stretch while uh, Darno's been out but you know you just can't continue to run Murphy out there every single day, day day game after a night game. So, you know, getting Darno back is going to be huge. And and you're right about Michael Harris. I mean, the original the original uh, 
report we got was it was going to be day. It was a day to day thing. And then he immediately went on the injured list and uh, the very next day, you know, we thought he was going to be ready to come off in 10 days and you know, that, that passed and wasn't the case. So, but I do think he's taking BP now. And as long as the back responds, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he's back at some point during this homestand, you know, and that's going to be good to get him back out there too. Sam Hilliard's been great. Um, you know, and I think Hilliard's, uh, shown that he can you know he's he's probably deserves to play a little more so you know maybe we're going to see him in left a little more and getting Harris back out there will be a great thing too for sure and I'm glad you mentioned Sam Hilliard uh, for a I think what was viewed as a pretty bad week for the club oh Hilliard, Hilliard every time he goes out there it seems like he makes an impact on the game somehow either offensively Defensively, he's been really strong. He robbed that home run from Manny Machado in San Diego. You know, he plays hard. He's, he's a great athlete. I mean, there, there's a lot to like with Hilliard, and I'm curious to see whenever Harris gets back, and hopefully in a couple of days, what their plans are for him. I think he's he certainly deserves some playing time. I don't know if he's necessarily an everyday outfielder or even an everyday outfielder against right-handed pitching, being a lefty. Uh, we'll see if, if Eddie Rosario ever gets going. And then finally on the injury front, Orlando Arcia, who's been out for about 10 days now with the fractured wrist. Uh, he was seen. He has a cast on that wrist still. I believe it was Friday night. Doesn't seem like Eddie is super close to returning. Uh, but as we'll talk about a bit later, while Von Grissom has hit decently enough since he was called up, the, the defense just isn't there for Vaughn. And I think uh, especially in Saturday night's loss, the lack of defense at shortstop was really felt. Yeah, I agreed, and, and I mean, Arcia has been it was a great uh, story through that that excellent start of the season. So, you know, you hope you can get back soon. They haven't really put a timetable on it yet, though. So, I think it's just gonna, you know, we'll we'll probably know more once we once he gets that cast off and and uh, things start trending that way. But yeah, the shortstop position is gonna be interesting. I mean, I don't think any of us really question whether. Grissom could hit enough, you know, it's just going to be, can he make enough of the, of the plays he's supposed to make, you know, to, to warrant sticking there long-term. And Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot. Here's the million dollar question because I'm curious. And I don't know if anybody actually knows. Does Vaughn Grissom at any point in 2023 make a start in left field? You know, everybody's been talking about that now for what? two seasons it almost seems yeah. like or, well the yeah. end of last season and all off season you know I, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens when Arcia comes back because Braden Shoemake's kind of woken up at, at Gwinnett he got off to a little bit of a slow start I'm assuming that Grissom's going to go back to Gwinnett and I think it will be interesting to see if he goes back to shortstop or if he goes to a different position I don't think they're going to just stick him out there unless his bat just becomes comes alive you know without really i know he got some work out there pre-game last year but i think they're going to want him to see a stretch uh, at least even a short stretch uh, of game competition if they're going to make that move so you know i think it's still iffy for me that whether he'll be out there in left field just because i think they've got so many other options right now i think we may we may actually settle into a hilliard pilar uh, a platoon out there in left field but uh you know i i think it's i think it's becoming more of a possibility than really i i would have i would have said at any other point yeah i tend to agree and the braves for better or worse seem to have no interest in playing vaughn in left field 
we'll see. Maybe he forces it into that conversation. But I think there's something to be said for him continuing to play shortstop every day in the minor leagues. Let him get some reps. Of course, his value is so much higher if he can stick at shortstop long term. Uh, but it was not a great week for Grissom defensively. Um, and then speaking of left field, and I guess by uh, detour, DH, it is time for the weekly Marcel Ozuna update. Because speaking of things that people are talking about all the time, uh, the quick numbers on Marcel, who did not play on Sunday, but Marcel Ozuna is hitting four for 51. Let's say that again four for 51. Two home runs, one double, seven walks, 15 strikeouts. He has been worth negative 0.7 war in 51 plate appearances, which is nearly impossible to do, and is hitting 078, 190, 216. And my last point is, I think of those four hits, I think three of them came within the first two weeks of the season. It has been a brutal go of it. I don't know how much longer the Braves can possibly go on. But nonetheless, it seems like every couple of days, Marcel is out there. Yeah, I mean, here lately, too, he's seeing a lot of action against left-handers. And he has not hit lefties well at all since uh, 2021. That's been one of the weird things about about this stretch of almost 800 plate appearances now since he signed that, that extension. But he has not hit lefties well. And that was something he had always done, you know, prior to signing that extension was uh, he wore out lefties. But, you know, the Braves are – basically only playing him against left-handers right now, which is strange. But to be fair, he's not hitting right-handers either. And, uh, you know, it's a strange situation. I mean, Stephen and I talk about this, it seems like, every week. And I think last week we uh, purposefully uh, didn't talk about this because it seems like it comes up all the time. But, you know, I I do wonder, you know, if they uh, – you see Madison Bumgarner got cut. And, uh, you know, I think there's some other things with Bumgarner. He probably wasn't willing to go to the bullpen. You know, and or or even you know do any of the uh, lesser roles. So you know, I think that probably led to the decision there. You know, Ozuna, we've seen him operate basically as the twenty-sixth man. But I think I think it's going to come down to where the Braves need that roster spot before we actually see this happen. I mean, you know, just going running down the injury list like you was talking. Travis Darno comes back. Chadwick Trump probably goes to Gwinnett. Michael Harris comes back. Eli Harris, uh, Eli White probably goes to Gwinnett. I think RC is the uh, the interesting one because if Grissom was to really get hot at the plate, then would you entertain the idea of keeping Grissom up? You know, uh, you'd need a roster spot to do that. You know, it may be Adrianza or uh, or Ozuna or are, are your options there. You know, I don't know. At this point, I believe Grissom will probably go back down, but. You know, uh, I mean, at this point, it is what it is. I mean, I'm not – I've tweeted today, it's not a slump to start the 2023 season because we've got almost 800 plate appearances going back to the start of the 2021 season. He's just not the same guy anymore. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know when uh, – I don't know when that decision's coming or how much more rope they're going to give him. But, you know, it seems like we're going to see him a couple of times a week and uh, – and 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 it just they're just hoping that he's going to be able to provide something at some point. I think that's fair, and I know it. It seems like the Braves keep going back to his spring training, which just kind of kills me a little bit inside. Um, even Tom Glavin, who was in the booth this weekend, was talking about pitcher preparedness and how guys get ready for the season. And even Glavin was like, "Look, when I was making my spring training starts, 
it was my first three or four times out there. I was just throwing the ball, right? Like I wasn't sequencing. I wasn't mixing my pitches. I was just getting my 35, 40, 50 pitches of work in. And the Braves keep going back to Marcel having a good spring. And it's like, look, man, he wasn't facing real pitching in, on, on March 5th. Guys were throwing fastballs and they were throwing an occasional breaker. I just, I don't know. I don't know what else the team needs to see. I would hope ownership or whoever you want to say has the ultimate say with the Braves' decisions will do what needs to be done. And I guess if there's a world where once Darno comes back, even if the Braves don't want to cut Ozuna and he just kind of sits on the bench and never plays, you know, I guess I can live with that. Uh, but frankly, there are other guys on the 40-man roster who probably deserve to to have his spot. Yeah, I mean, and that's the – I think for me that's the thing. It comes down to who that who that person is. You know, I think it, it depends on – it just really depends on – comes to a point where they need that roster spot, you know, and I'm afraid to say that, you know, that that could be the trade deadline even if, uh, you know, if we're not, if we're not careful. But, you know, you, you just – I mean, at this point, though, once you get everybody back, you can't ju- really justify playing him that much, you know, I mean, with the way he's struggling. So I don't know. You know, I, I mean, I've I've been predicting that, you know, he was going to get cut I'd, probably since at least through last year, uh, probably several different times. And it hasn't happened yet. So, you know, it's just really hard to it's just really hard to say if it's really the money that's causing, you know, giving them pause. They really do think it's going to come out. I think you hear them refer to the spring training stats because there is nothing else to refer to. I mean, there's no other way to justify this, you know. I mean, he's not – I think you look at a guy like Sam Hilliard, if Sam Hilliard stops hitting and, you know, he's not going to continue to – he's carrying almost a bad bit in 700s. His his offense is going to come down. But he can still run. He can still play all three outfield positions. You can justify having him on there. And that's just not something – you know, you can do with Ozuna. His values are all tied to his bat. And obviously, he's not delivering. You know, it's just for all the good things the Braves have done, Alex Anthopoulos has done, man, this is just one contract that just is just blowed up in their face from the start. And, uh, you know, and it, it just – I don't see how it gets any better at this point. Yeah, that's well said. It is seemingly the never-ending story. Maybe one day the story will end. Um, All right, Chris, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We're going to take a look back on the week that was and then look ahead a little bit. We'll be right back momentarily. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Chris. So it wasn't all bad this week. 
The Braves won a couple of games out in San Diego uh, starting on Monday night. Max Freed, who actually made two starts this week, looked fantastic, which big picture I think is obviously very good news for the Braves. The Braves won two to nothing. Austin Riley homered early. Uh, he's another guy who has been scuffling a bit at the plate. He got the Braves going early on with a two-run homer, which was good to see. And then the bullpen did a nice job in relief of Freed. That was, of course, one of two wins for the team this week. But nonetheless, it was nice to get a win in San Diego, which has been a tough place to play in recent years. Yeah, and again, I mean, Padres, you know, came to Atlanta and took three out of four, and the Braves were playing really good at that point up until those last three games of that series. So I thought, you know, I mean, I know they're not, you know, it's still early and they're not going to talk about it, but I thought it was kind of important to go back out to San Diego and play well because this is a team they could see in the postseason, you know, hypothetically. And it's a, you know, it's a team that got a little bit stronger after uh, after the Braves left town too because they got Ta- Fernando Tatis Jr. back and they got Joe Musgrove back. So, you know, I think that team's going to – that's team's built for the postseason and it's going to be interesting how they go. But, you know, that road trip was great. I mean, they 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 won uh, two out of three in San Diego, and uh, you know it just had it was riding I think an eight game winning streak at one point. I mean that's when that's when it didn't it just looked like it didn't matter who was hurt because they just kept plugging plugging right along. But they played some really good baseball in that series against the Padres. Yeah, they did. And on Tuesday night, the team won eight to one. Spencer Strider for it's kind of crazy for his four starts now. Strider struck out nine hitters in all four starts. Last I looked, he made the, led the major leagues in K's, pitched well, only one hit allowed, three walks. I believe he tied John Smoltz as the team record for most strikeouts through four starts to begin a year with 36. And this was the Braves' eighth win in a row. It feels like a different time almost with how the last couple of games have gone, but nonetheless, eight in a row. Uh, Sean Murphy also set a franchise record. He homered in the fifth inning of Tuesday's game, which was the 11th extra base hit in a row for Murphy. I think he had something like seven doubles and four home runs. Uh, he's been fantastic. And then late in the game, both Ozzy Albies, who had a nice week, and Matt Olson, who maybe didn't have as nice of a week, hit big three-run home runs to effectively end the game. Yeah, again, I mean, going back to Strider, it's just unbelievable how how well he's – I mean, he 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 admittedly in his his previous start, you know, he was talking about his velocity had been down a little bit. He was trying to hold back a little bit, and he really wasn't quite as dominant as he had been. Yet he's he struck out nine in every start that he that he's had. I know he's not happy with the walks that he's piled up a little bit early on, but you know, you can just see how dominant that stuff, uh, how his stuff he is really in. You know, like I said, that they played on that road trip was out of out of their mind. Sean Murphy, that was unbelievable, and it was huge coming in and you know essentially playing every day in front of with Travis Darno out. So, you know, uh, when you when you can go into a series with Max Fried and Spencer Strider uh, penciled in, you know, I think you got to feel real good about it. Yeah, you do. And I mean, Strider, even though the velocity's been down a little bit on Strider, I don't know, Chris, if this is caused any concern in your world or perked your interest the the velocity for strider has been down a smidge i I don't know if it's by design right like if he's holding back a little bit just to stay fresher throughout the year or if it's just a product of being early in the year but even with the velocity being down a little bit 
I mean, you mentioned 36 strikeouts and four starts is crazy. And you're right. Now that Max is back, and let's hope he's able to stay healthy the rest of the way and Strider's healthy for a rotation that really had to piece things together. Breed, Strider, we're going to talk about Charlie Morton here in a second. Kyle Wright is back. And then Bryce Elder has been really strong. It feels like going forward, the rotation should be a real strength for this team. Yeah, and I mean, the rotation's pitched really well, uh, especially, uh, you know, considering that once we got past those uh, those couple of starts from Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodge, you know, the, that really ta- kind of taxed the, the bullpen. But since then, since they've got right, uh, right back and, and, and Freed's back now, you know, those guys have started to give innings. And, and, you know, I don't think enough's been said about Bryce Elder just because of – of how good he has been, and you know, really, he was kind of an afterthought. The way he was, uh, he was demoted to Gwinnett during the spring, along with Ian Anderson. You know, I think he really kind of, he was really pressed into duty by default. Really, they didn't have anybody else, you know. And he's came up, you know, you got to credit him the way he's come up and just kind of, it's his spot now. The way I look at it, you know, and it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for them to justify taking him out of that the way he's pitching now. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's caught me by surprise. I was not super confident that Elder was going to be able to have continued success. He pitched well against Houston. He pitched well against the Cardinals a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, it, it almost feels to me a little bit like what Kyle Wright did last year, where maybe we all didn't immediately believe that it was real and sustainable. But hopefully, as Wright did last year, the longer that it continues, the more real it obviously becomes. I'm not necessarily saying that Elder's going to go on to win 21 starts this year and and you know, be, I think, even pick up a couple of Cy Young votes, but he has been a really nice steadying influence on the back of the rotation. Um, we mentioned Charlie Morton a minute ago, and I wanted to get your take on Charlie, Chris. Um, he pitched on Wednesday. It was a one to nothing loss to the Padres. He made a mistake to Juan Soto, who hit a ball very far. But other than that, Morton has been okay. He has a 3.22 ERA, which is strong, but his underlying metrics are not as strong. He has a FIP of 4.61, and his under, even more so, his ex-FIP and his expected ERA are even worse than that. Where are you at with Charlie? The stuff looks okay to me, and um, you know he hasn't been bad in his starts. And on a results basis, he's been good by you know the 3.2 ERA. But um, I don't know where are you at with Charlie Morton. I mean, I think you said it, summed it up best by just saying, you know, he's okay. You don't really know what you're going to get out of him at this point. I thought it was encouraging that, that you know, he, he only allowed the one run on the road because he's been better at home over the last uh, over the last couple of seasons. You know, the funny thing about him is, I mean, his stuff's still there. I mean, he can still hit 96, 97 on the, rate, on the gun. You know, the spin rates are still high. Uh, but for whatever reason, you know, he's not striking guys out yet at a high rate that we're um, accustomed to. And if you remember last, I think it was last four or five, I mean, the first four or five starts of last season, it was the same thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's he's striking, his strikeout rate shot up. He still had the problem with the home runs, you know. So I'm wondering this time, at some point, one thing we've seen for Charlie is he'll make an adjustment. If he can make that adjustment this time and, you know, and just not give up quite as much loud contact that, you know, I think he can be serviceable. I mean, at this point, too, the Braves really only need him to be a number four, uh, a number three or a number four, you know. So 
Um, as long as he's logging in and he needs to get the strikeouts back up. But it is kind of weird, you know, because, I mean, when I see kind of those underlying metrics, you think, man, you know, he's lost something. But, I mean, when you look at the spin rates and the velocity and all, it's still pretty much the same as it has been with Charlie. Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see if how he continues the rest of the way. And you're right, assuming that Kyle is back and that shoulder is healthy, you have Charlie Morton as your number four. I think that's going to be fine, especially if Elder continues to pitch pretty well here. Um, so that was a, a tough way to go out in San Diego, but at the time you felt all right. You took two out of three. Uh, but, of course, then we are at the weekend series against the Astros. I don't know if anyone necessarily wants to relive these three games because just kind of a, a crazy number I was looking up. The Braves led 20. I'm sorry. The Braves were tied or led 20 of the 27 innings of these three games and still lost all three of them. That's tough. That's tough. I guess the glass half full take is, well, they were very competitive against a team that's been to the ALCS six years in a row. But at the same time, it hurts, especially with it being at home. You you really did feel like the Braves could have easily won two out of three uh, this weekend. It got started on Friday. We mentioned Bryce Elder, who was very good. A little bit of a shaky first inning, but really settled down. Uh, the Braves were up 4-1 to one late, and then we mentioned Jesse Chavez comes in, and within a span of about 11 pitches, he gave up three runs to tie it, and then Jordan Alvarez, who probably for my money is the best hitter on the planet, uh, gave Houston a two-run lead, hit a ball that was barely in the strike zone off A.J. Minter over the right field wall. Um, so really a, a bummer there. And I know we talked about the bullpen earlier, Chris, and not necessarily needing to give the ball to Jesse Chavez in that situation. Um, any other real takeaways from that from that first game? No, I mean, other than, like you said, Bryce Elder got off to a little bit of a, a slow start but then settled in nicely. And that's the thing you've I've liked, really liked to see from him is, I mean, he's he's been able to string a lot of zeros up there. You know, even after he, if he gives up a run or, or at some point, you know, he usually comes back and pitches pretty well. And, you know, Jesse Chavez had pitched really good up until that point. But I agree with you. You know, you don't he's not the guy that you really want to be turning to late in a game like that. I like him more in that middle relief or, you know, multi uh situation. But, you know, with two guys down in that bullpen, you know, as, as you mentioned, guys get slid up and, uh, you know, and that's where that's where he was at. And it, I mean, again, Jordan Alvarez, I've seen some people being uh, critical of A.J. Minter today on Twitter, and, I mean, I get it, but that home run that he hit, that ball was on the outside, outside, and he pulls that thing into the Braves' bullpen out there in right center. I mean, you have to be un- incredibly strong to do that, and I agree with you. There's not, If he's not the best hitter in, in, the, in the league, then, you know, he's right there. He's right there in that conversation. I don't think enough people really realize just how good of a – how good an offensive player he is. Yeah, that's well said. And uh, I, I half-jokingly but also seriously tweeted, uh, if the Braves were to see the Astros again later this year in October and November, uh, I want absolutely no part of Jordan Alvarez. I am fine walking him every single time and just seeing what happens. It feels like it might be a better outcome than pitching to him regularly because he is just such a talented and powerful hitter. Um, the, the frustrations continued Saturday night. Kyle Wright was pretty strong uh, until the third time through. 
The defense was bad throughout the evening. Von Grissom had a couple of botched plays. Ozzy Albies also had an error late in the game that hurt. Uh, but in, in the sixth, with the Braves up 3-1, to one, uh, Wright gave up a single, a home run, another error, and, and then another home run. So the game kind of flipped in a hurry, and the Braves were unable to mount enough of a comeback. Um, again, I mean, it was just kind of a common theme. The starting pitching was really good this week, but for whatever reason, as good as the bullpen has been, it just could not hold down the Astros late. Yeah, and that, I think that's the game. It was just it just felt sloppy, you know, defensively. We don't, we're not used to that, you know, and I mean, that's obviously going to be a, a thing, a con- part of the conversation around Grissom at shortstop. But I mean, right now, that's the only real option that they have. So you're just going to have to, they're going to have to figure, out, figure that part out. But, you know, it was uncharacteristic to see them with, with three errors. And then, you know, again, uh, it just it kind of snowballed on them late, you know, which was the whole theme of the series. Uh, on the, Positive side, and this is going to be crazy to watch this summer. Ronald Acuna Jr. stole three bases on Saturday night, which is a career best for him. And then he had another steal on Sunday. Ronald was up to 12 steals in 22 games. Uh, you know, the, the power has not been there for Ronald. And maybe we, we talk about him for just a minute here. He's still hitting really well, um, though it's been more of a keep the ball in the park variety than a just pure power standpoint. But nonetheless, the, the numbers are fine. I did want to get your take, Chris, on uh, a viewer actually sent us a question about Ronald and his ground ball rate. And just in general, for reference, if, if listeners are not uh, super big on the analytics and all of that, um, in general, you do not want to hit the baseball on the ground, right? The upside of a ball hit on the ground is a single, maybe a double if you shoot it down the line but you're not going to have a ton of success if you hit the ball on the ground a ton. That being said, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s ground ball rate is about 55%, which is high for a guy like him uh, compared to his career numbers. It's up against the league average. It's actually up. But that being said, Ronald is still one of the best hitters in the league statistically this year. Do you make anything of Ronald hitting the ball on the ground more? It was something he did last year after the ACL surgery, which I think was a product of that. Uh, do you think this could be too much of a small sample and we're, you know it's not worth really looking at? Where are you at with Ronald? Because he has been phenomenal this year, but it has been a point of, of conversation about his where he's hitting the ball, I guess, and maybe not hitting for as much power as he used to. I don't think it's... I don't think it's going to be part of the conversation as long as he is being has been this good. I mean, he entered he entered play Sunday with a 173 weighted runs created plus, and that's with this high ground ball rate. Um, but I do it is interesting. It is interesting to look at because you know we kind of chalked it up last year to the uh, to the injury and coming off the injury. I mean, he had a uh, if you look at the ground ball rate. I mean, it was 47 percent last year, almost 48 percent, which is you know, way, way above where he was at for his career. It's even higher than that this year. And the launch angle has gone way down. I mean, he's at 4.4 entering Sunday. And for his career, it's been thir- it's 13.6. Uh, in 2021, when he looked like he was going to be the MVP, just for reference, it was 18.2. So, you know, there's something different there. He's still hitting the baseball hard, and uh, and we've seen that speed play out. But 
you know, it will be interesting to see if he does try to make a some sort of adjustment. I think one thing, you know, I don't know. I mean, you'd have we'd have to ask him, hear him talk about it. But strikeout rates down to fifteen percent, which is you know by far. I mean, for his career, it's it's almost twenty five percent. Makes me wonder if he's uh, not selling out for power quite as much. I mean, he has done a good job setting the table for the offense. And I mean, as long as guys like Matt Olson and um, Austin Riley are raking, you know, they can, they can deal with that. Um, that could, they can still be successful with that. Um, but you know, if the Ronald Acuna that we're used to, the guy that could be, you know, was pretty much assured if he was healthy for it to be 30, 30 or, you know, even 40, 40. And he even joked about 50, 50. I mean, the 50 stolen bases don't look like it's going to be a problem at all. It's just whether this power is going to come back and, and whatnot. I mean, I'm not worried about it yet, but I do wonder if he's going to try to make an adjustment at some point, try to get the lift back on it, or if this is just a small sample small sample size, then we're going to see it go up. But, you know, I mean, I don't know that – I wish I knew the answer, honestly, because, you know, he's still hitting the ball incredibly hard. And uh, uh, the launch angle obviously is the difference in him having eight or nine home runs or more than instead of the three that he's got right now. Yeah, I, I, that all kind of lines up with my thinking. And, you know, I would just say, and to be clear, you know, I'm not concerned about it as much either. You know, if you had me list all of my concerns with the Atlanta Braves currently, I think Ronald's ground ball rate would be like 46 on the list. It would not be super high. Uh, but nonetheless, an interesting data point for Ronald. He, of course, is just having a tremendous start and is obviously much healthier than he was at any point last year coming from the ACL. Yeah, and one thing, On too. Sunday, oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but one thing, too, it's not just Ronald. I mean, the Braves as a whole have, as a team, have had a a really high ground ball rate. And I haven't looked at it today, but, I mean, they were in the bottom – three of the league, um, I believe, at some point in this past week. So, you know, it's I don't know if that's a change in approach. It's just small sample size theater. But I think Austin Riley's got something similar going on with him. He's hit a lot more ground balls, too. And uh, so, you know, I don't know if that's a change. You know, I'm sure that something we'll hear a little bit more about as the, uh, as the season wears on, though. Yeah, absolutely. And, again, we're not saying you can't ever hit the ball on the ground. But with the talent that is in this lineup, that is odd. I'm glad you mentioned the team as a whole. It's not just Ronald, um, you know, other than maybe Matt Olson, who seemingly hits the ball in the air or strikes out, right? There's, he's, uh, I know there was some talk about Matt's strikeout stuff this week, but there has been a lot of balls on the ground. Um, we're also talking about like four weeks of games. Maybe it'll balance out. But nonetheless, an interesting talking point early on. Uh, and then we reached Sunday in the week. I think folks know it was a very frustrating loss. I think for me, probably the worst of all the losses here. Max Freed was fantastic. Six and two-thirds, only three hits, three walks, five strikeouts, no runs. He threw 107 pitches as well, which was a good sign. I think the Braves were smartly cautious with Max on Monday as he came back from the injured list. But he was out there for 107. Kevin Pillar homered, which was a nice, uh, nice sign to see. He's been struggling a bit with the bat, although the defense has been really strong. But in the eighth inning, uh, Jordan Alvarez, who we've mentioned, tied it off Minter. And then Minter, who, again, has been a really good reliever for a long time, gave up an unfortunate run in the ninth. And then the Braves brought in Danny Young, which was, I think, a bit of a, a controversial point. 
I'm not sure Young is the guy you want to bring in in a one-run game in the ninth inning. Young came in and gave up a quick hit to Alex Bregman to make it 5-2. to two. And that was the series. It just kind of felt like that was a microcosm of the weekend. A tough three losses. Houston is good. If they would have gotten swept at home by the Kansas City Royals, I think the tone would be a little different. Houston, even with their injuries, is a very good ball club. But I thought Sunday was just another kind of kick in the groin for what had been a frustrating couple of days. Yeah, no doubt, especially the way Freed pitched. I mean, he did run up a little bit of a – there was an inning or two where he had a little bit of an elevated uh, pitch count. But, I mean, he's so – when he's on, I mean, he's just so masterful. And uh, and I know he really wanted to get through that seventh. Had uh, Two of his three walks came in the seventh inning. Nick Anderson come in, got a big strikeout. It just felt like, again, I I hate to keep going back to the bullpen death, but it just felt like, you know, Nick Anderson came back out for the eighth. And it felt like they stuck with him a little longer than they probably should have just because of that depth again, I think. And I think it was the same thing for Minner. You know, Minner, Minner uh, comes in to face Alvarez in the eighth, comes back out to the ninth. They wanted him to get through it, you know, and he just he just couldn't. And, uh, you know, by that point, the lead was gone. So, you know, I thought Danny Young was an interesting choice. I'm not sure uh, how many pitches Joe Jimenez threw the night before. I thought that would have been a good spot for him at that point, but against the right hander. But you know, again, it's just it's been the same story for the last three games. Braves jump out to an early lead and it just can't hold it. And I mean, I think those are the games that are really frustrating when you're starting pitching pitches well enough. You know, uh, for the most part, I know Wright gave up the two home runs. It really wasn't the bullpen on Saturday, but you know, those are the ones that kind of you kind of if you just kind of look back on and man, we should have won. We should have won at least a couple of those. Yeah, for sure. Looking ahead to the week, it is an important week for the Atlanta Braves. They have the Miami Marlins starting on Monday for a four-game series. Uh, the Marlins, after a bad start, have been playing some good baseball. They have some. Uh, They're hitting the ball, which is kind of a new thing for the Marlins. They have had a brutal offense for the last couple of years, but they are healthy early on in the year. They, of course, have old friend Jorge Soler. They have Jazz Chisholm, who's very electric. And in a four-game series, we're going to see most of their starting rotation, which has been pretty strong. Um, So four games this week in Truist, and then um, a big series in New York against the Mets for four games. You know, you don't want to overstate the importance of a four-game series at the end of April against a division rival, but we know that all eyes are going to be on that Braves-Mets series. It looks like the rotation is going to line up in New York of Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, and Kyle Wright. And it's also a bit of an unconventional series that we were uh, pointed out earlier before we started this podcast The Braves will go to New York on Friday, but then play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, which is not something you see all the time. I believe it's a new product of this balanced schedule. But nonetheless, eight games against the Marlins and Mets coming up, and it feels like it's an important week. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, like you said, you don't want to make too much of of an early series in April. But, you know, you got to remember with this this new balanced schedule – that you don't play the division as much as we have in the past. So, you know, I think that makes these division series just a little bit more important. Uh, you know, the Marlins Marlins are feeling good about themselves. They got off to a tough start, but as you said, they've won uh, 7 of 10. Uh, they got beat Sunday to the Guardians, but, you know, they've beaten 
they've beaten some good teams during this little run here. And, uh, you know, they're wanting to show that, hey, they're they're for real. So I think they're going to come into this series motivated. And, I mean, the Braves have pretty much handled them, you know, since uh, coming out of the rebuild. I mean, uh, you know, and, and like you said, I mean, they've got – we know the pitching's there. Uh, but when they start hitting, you know, then I think they may they may be taking that next step as a team. You know, their only issue with them has been that they've just were in the same division with three three teams that were capable of winning the World Series in the Braves, Phillies, and Mets. So, um, you know, that'll be a good series. And then, of course, the Mets, you know, the Braves had jumped out that fast start, but the Mets have just kind of been plugging along. They've won eight of ten. Who uh, the Braves? They're actually tied in at least lead with the with the Braves right now. So, you know, all eyes are going to be on that series. Mets have a lot of injuries, but you know they're playing well. They're, they're especially in the their injuries in the rotation. I'm, I'm guessing Justin Verlander is going to be back soon at some point. Would not be shocked at all if uh, if it happened in that series. I think Max Scherzer is going to be back as well. Scherzer. If folks didn't see it, Scherzer was caught with some kind of substance in his glove. Um, there's been a whole discussion about it, but nonetheless, it was a 10-game suspension for Max that he is serving currently, although he's going to be back, I believe, for that Monday game, the final game of the series. Um, and, and as we saw last year, too, you know, yes, it's a game in April, but at the end of the year, the tiebreaker can end up meaning a lot, right? Like, I, I don't know if anyone necessarily wants to go in the final weekend of the year knowing the Braves have to win three games again in order to win the division as they did last time. Uh, so, it's yes, it's early. You don't want to overreact or even underplay what this series is going to mean. But uh, it's four games, opportunity for these teams to see each other. It feels like it's going to be a race all summer. And if you can get out <clears throat> to a good start early, especially in City Field, uh, you know their crowd is going to be there and be rowdy. Uh, it should be a fun series. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's measuring stick at this point for for all the teams involved. You know, the Braves, Mets, and even the Marlins at this point, who uh, you know want to stay in that wild card chase, or you know, even uh, mess things up in the division for some of those top teams. So, you know, it's going to be good baseball, I think. And uh, you know, it's I think it's a little refreshing to know that you're not going to, you know, you need to play well in these series early against division opponents because you're not going to spend the whole month of September playing playing solely in the division anymore. So, you know, like I said, the Mets Mets had that unbelievable offseason. You know, they're 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 trying to show that they didn't sit on their laurels. You know, they weren't happy with 101 wins and, you know, kind of watching the uh, division slip away. So, you know, they're going to be motivated. And uh, but, you know, I think it's one thing about this Braves team. They know they've won five straight divisions. You know, they never get too high, never get too low. I think it's a uh, you know, we've seen them in the past have a disappointing series like this, like this one with the Astros, and then come out and play well. Um, you know, we've seen them do that plenty of times, and I think that's one of uh, Brian Snicker's best traits as a manager. Is you know they don't like they do they keep things in perspective. They know it's a big series, and I think we've seen them uh, respond. Just hopefully they'll get you know they'll have some injured players back by the time uh, the time they get to New York. And there you have it. Should be a fun week. Big games, as big as games get, at least at the end of April. Should be a lot of fun. Um, Chris, thank you for joining me this weekend. We appreciate you taking time. If you would, please plug your work, the website, uh, the podcast network, all of the great things you do, and we'll get out of here. 
Oh, well, man, I appreciate you having me. It's a, you know, I know I can't fill Brad Rowland's shoes, but I did my best. And, uh, you know, I appreciate it. It's always a joy to listen to you two guys every week. You know, just visit batterypower.com. We're we're in the middle of this thing. I'm going to be at Marlin Series at least three of those games. Hopefully so. You know, hopefully we'll get some reaction and find out some injury updates. Hopefully we're going get, to be getting good news on guys like Michael Harris, Travis Darno, and, and Rossell Iglesias. So, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Willis. All right, Chris. Thank you again, my friend. It should be a fun week. Thank you to everybody who checked us out. I am Scott Coleman, and I am at Scott Coleman 55 Be sure to check out the site. Be sure to check out the feed for the Daily Hammer and to catch Chris in his normal spot on the podcast to be named later. We will be back next weekend, and we will see everybody then. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement.